0: What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low, net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Hey
1: everybody, I'm Zach. And I'm Jesse. And you're watching Test the Time News, episode 381 on Now You Know. (laughs) Thanks to EMI for sponsoring this episode. EMI is instant ramen with a twist. Yeah, it's traditional ramen that is better for you because EMI enriched the ingredients. I tried the black garlic chicken. It was easy to make and tastes great. And I like that even though it's called black garlic chicken, it's actually vegan. Yeah, Amy's plant-based ramen options have 20 grams of protein, five to six net grams of carbs, 18 grams of fiber, and 20% less sodium than usual ramen. Plus, since it's just like regular old ramen, it takes less than 10 minutes to make, so it doesn't take a lot of planning on our part. The creator spent over two years in the kitchen with chefs and nutritionists to reimagine instant ramen that is low-carb, packed with enough protein and fiber to keep you feeling satisfied and nourished. Try some of the best-selling flavors, including spicy beef, black garlic chicken, and Tom Yum shrimp. It's so simple to make, great tasting and better for you. Plus, you get free U.S. shipping on orders over $50. Use our code below to try a healthier alternative. Tasty Me Ramen for yourself. Merry Christmas and happy holidays to everyone. We're bringing you this special Christmas edition of Tesla Time News with a bunch of treats. We've got fan favorites from this past year and... This just happened. Zach and I were lucky enough to get an interview with Elon Musk's biographer, Walter Isaacson. So we're gonna be including some exclusive excerpts from that interview. You're not gonna wanna miss it. So fire up another Yuletide log in the fireplace, sit back, relax, maybe serve yourself a piece of fruitcake and enjoy. Walter Isaacson, thank you so much for being with us today. I highly anticipated your book coming out as Jesse can attest to. Um, I pre-ordered it. I thoroughly enjoyed it when I got my hands on it. In fact, um, I bought a copy for my dad (laughs) <laughs> and even though I've been doing the show about Elon like every week for the past 8 years, it was the first time that I was able to share my love for all things Elon with my father. Your book gave us both a common touchstone so that we could discuss Elon's life and accomplishments together, and for that, I will be eternally grateful.
2: Wow, wow. I'm I'm like totally moved. I mean, when when a book can make a connection like that, especially this time of year, that's awesome. And I want to tell you how much I enjoy I mean your podcasts always inform the book. For a couple of years, I've now been, I think, a Patreon supporter and everything else. Y'all are doing a great job. Oh,
1: wow. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Especially
2: Jesse. <laughs> Thank you.
1: I urge anyone watching who hasn't picked up their copy of Walter's book, which, by the way, has been on everyone's must-read list this year—from Amazon to the Wall Street Journal—to read it. Uh, Walter Isaacson has written so many outstanding biographies, many of which are on our now you know set. Your biography of Leonardo da Vinci was one of my favorites. Uh, it helped bring him to life for me. Mister Isaacson is the host on the show *Elm and Poor and Company* on PBS and CNN, a contributor to CNBC. And the host of the podcast Trailblazers from Dell Technologies. And I hear that an adaptation of your book is happening at A24 with uh, Darren Aronofsky as director. That's exciting.
2: Yep, pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, he's a, you know, when there are different people who wanted to make uh, this into a movie. And my only thought, because I'm not a movie expert, is it all depends on the director. And, uh, I figured he's the best director around. Walter,
1: you just finished up a nationwide book tour. Uh, Was it worth it? Was spending, what was it, over two years of your life shadowing Elon worth it?
2: Definitely. I mean, I've written my whole life about how does creativity happen? How does disruption happen? And there's nobody more interesting in this field now than Elon Musk. And the fact that he gave me total, unfettered, unguarded access morning noon, to night i was sleeping in airstream trailers down in boca chica and spending nights in the factory walking the factory lines um i was able i hope you've read the book to just give the narrative story everybody's got an opinion on musk but very few people have been up close and say okay what does he do every day that makes him both good and bad at times and so it's probably the most interesting project I've ever been on.
1: I mean, you, just like you said, unlike normal people who I imagine you would meet them at their office at 9 a.m. and then go about their normal day at work and then go home at 5 p.m. Elon is different, right? What were like one of the, or two of the craziest days for you when you were with Elon?
2: You know, there were times when he gets into that surge mentality of drama. And I can remember a late Friday night uh, in Boca Chica near Brownsville uh where as you know starship launch pad is and it was about a year ago and uh there were only about five or ten people working on the launch pad and musk you could see almost like a cloud coming in from the gulf of mexico he was getting uh exercised about it and he was saying why aren't more people working we'll never get to mars and This was, I'd heard him talk about the need to get to Mars, but I thought it was the type of thing you might say on podcasts or at pep talks for your team, but he was just so intense that we weren't going to get to Mars unless we had a fierce sense of urgency, that I realized how deeply bred into him this is, and he orders up a surge. It's a pointless surge. They have 200 people coming in the next day from Cape Canaveral and from Los Angeles, And they didn't have a launch scheduled. He just wanted Starship stacked within six days. And he did it again the next week when we were standing on a solar roof installation at midnight when they hadn't finished doing the solar roof in 24 hours. And he's just driving them. And so when people say, how does he succeed Where Boeing or NASA or General Motors or Ford can't do it? Part of it is that fierce all-in intensity.
1: I guess that kind of leads to my next question then. Jesse and I have been following Elon for years as part of our work on the YouTube channel, so we feel like we get Elon. You obviously get him too, but when did that happen for you? Was it prior to writing the book or did it evolve as you spent time with him? Because it sounds like moments like that help you to get him even more.
2: That's what reporting is all about, spending a lot of time and then the moments accumulate. And the problem with some reporting or journalism today is they lead with the opinion. They don't lead with having spent as much time as possible covering the subject. And secondly, if you try to do a book based on 10 or 15 interviews, you're never going to get anywhere. You have to walk almost literally in the person's shoes. I can remember a year into reporting this book. Other people had written, there's a Rolling Stone profile, there's uh, the good Ashley uh, Vance book about something eating away at him uh, from childhood, but he doesn't want to talk about it, they keep saying. I remember over and over again saying, tell me about your dad. Tell me about your childhood. He goes silent, stony silent. I remember one trip, though, I say it was late at night, midnight or something, we were flying, and I said, tell me about your dad. And he goes into that long pause, he does. Not just a pause, he just goes silent. And and I outlasted him. It was four minutes. It was five minutes. That's a long time. I just stood there. And then slowly, he started talking about his father, about being beaten up, about his father making him stand in front of him and calling him useless. All of these things. So that's the type of thing that you ask, how did I get my opinions of him. I try not to go into a project with opinions. I go into a project with questions. And then after a year, maybe a year and a half, the narrative begins to form. I begin to have themes and thoughts and theses. But if you go into it with a the theme of thought a thesis, you're going to be distorting the reporting.
1: So, I mean, a lot of what humans do, you know, even what we do is is based out of fear. Elon seems almost immune to fear, like he unlocks some kind of new level in the game of being human early in his life. Um, And now he doesn't let fear stop him from being and doing what he believes is right. Why do you think that that is?
2: I think it comes from being a risk taker. Uh, As a kid, he knew fear or he was exposed to violence and fear and South Africa, you know, tough place back in the '80s, and he, Peter Thiel, who helped found the companies that become PayPal, with him, you know, said other entrepreneurs they calculate risk. Elon embraces risk; he loves risk. Uh, and uh, Tallulah, his second wife, says, "When you have to shut off emotions as a kid." because he had to at times, he says, she said, you shut off fear. And when you shut off fear, you can do amazing things. Mm. Now, she also said, when you shut off fear, you shut off some other emotions, sometimes empathy. Uh, But that's what this book is about. And by the way, we used to be a nation that was a little bit more fearless. We used to be a nation that took risks. Whether you came on the Mayflower or you came across the Rio Grande, or you came from Eastern Europe fleeing oppression, your family knew fear, and they took risks. Now we've become a nation, you know, of coddled kids and with more regulators than risk takers. You know, more referees and guardrail makers and lawyers who say you can't do that because this rule and regulation would be a bad idea to do something, than people willing to innovate and disrupt. So... Part of what this book is about is overcoming fears and taking risks. There's a picture in the book, I think, Tallulah gave me uh, of the 40th birthday party. And I'm sure you've seen it in the book, he's there spread eagle uh, against a target with a pink balloon right in his crotch between his legs. And there's a knife thrower. And it's a blind knife thrower. Now, there's no, there's no upside to taking that risk. And, you know, you think about it a bit, there's a downside to taking that risk. And yet Elon's there and lets the blind knife throw pop the pink balloon between his legs.
1: I remember when I saw that picture, I was like, thank God that was in the past. (laughs) (laughs) Walter, thank you so much for your time. We really I got to urge everyone out there. If you haven't gotten the book already, it's a perfect holiday gift for somebody perfect for your own uh, stocking. Um, So go out there and get it right away. Thank you so much, Walter.
2: Hey, good to see you, Jesse. Good to see you, Zach.
1: That was so much fun getting to talk with Walter Isaacson about his amazing biography. Just the research alone took him over two years of being with Elon. If you'd like to see our entire interview, head over to Patreon. Yeah, there for as little as a buck a month, you can not only see our entire interview, but get our Patreon bonus stories. And yes, we have a special holiday edition of our Patreon bonus stories this week. So get all of that while supporting the work we do, Consider it your Christmas present to us. And then we'll give you a Christmas present every week. Not bad, huh? First up, we have these two next stories from TTN 351 and 353 earlier this year. Well, 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 it finally happened. Ford CEO Jim Farley joined Elon on Twitter Spaces last Thursday to announce that Ford has partnered with Tesla to begin allowing Fords to use 12,000 Tesla superchargers starting early next year. Ford tweeted, coming soon, more locations to charge your Ford electric vehicle, thousands of them at Tesla. And Farley then announced this. In 2025, Ford will offer next generation electric vehicles with the North American charging standard, NAX, connector built in, eliminating the need for an adapter to access Tesla superchargers. This is big news. Okay, so according to Jim Farley, Ford has been working with Tesla for two years to reach this deal. What do you think was the sticking point? Like, why didn't it happen sooner? Well, two reasons. Uh, Number one, first, I don't think Ford really understood how important the Tesla supercharger network was until their executives started driving EVs around. Farley admitted that his own kids... Asked him why they couldn't charge at Tesla superchargers during a family road trip when they had to use those DC fast chargers that are behind restaurants and stuff instead. And number two, I think Tesla wanted Ford owners to have to use the Tesla app, but that was a deal breaker for Ford as Farley wanted to keep Ford customers on the Ford Pass app. So Ford owners will be able to use Tesla superchargers using the Ford Pass app. Yes, Tesla is opening their API to Ford so they can integrate payment into the Ford Pass app. Now, what about Ford vehicles made before 2025 that don't have NACs or basically the Tesla plug? So Farley said they will be sending a free CCS to Tesla adapter to all Ford EV owners so that we can use Tesla superchargers as well. This is huge. And this was one of the only reasons I wasn't excited to use our Ford for longer trips because the, you know, the charging network really sucked. And I think a big question a lot of people are asking is, is Ford paying Tesla for the use of their superchargers? And I mean, I'd have to imagine so, you know, Tesla probably put out there, hey, you know, the first company to sign a deal with us is going to get a substantial price break because this just about cinches that every other automaker is going to have to follow. But then here's my question. They're going to have this adapter ready that they're going to send out to all Ford EV customers, which sounds amazing until you realize they didn't actually sell that many Ford EVs, which is fine. I mean, but really good for Ford. That's a really awesome thing to do. But this means that Tesla doesn't have to do Magic Dock, which would have been expensive, right? Ford is footing the bill for an adapter for people like us who bought a Ford F-150 Lightning. And then in 2025, Ford vehicles are gonna have Tesla plug. Yeah, Farley talked about this on CNBC. He kind of used Elon's own words. He said the CCS standard, even though it's cool and all, he said it was designed by a committee, which is Elon has said many times. I mean, it's not as good a format as NAX. It's not as small, it's not as robust. If you drop it, it's more likely to break. But my question is, in their announcement, Ford said that they already have ten thousand DC fast chargers on their network, and I was like, "Well, I know they're not Ford chargers, but like, what other networks add up to ten thousand fast chargers?" Whatever, it doesn't doesn't really matter. <laughs> I mean, we, we just went on a trip down to New York, and it was like, "Hmm, where do I want to stop?" Yep. It wasn't like, "Okay, here's the." I mean, we were thinking of taking the Rivian down to New York because right. it would have been fun, but there's like two chargers on the way down it would have been like, so stressful there's like 25 superchargers and on the way and this is why I think it really did take Ford executives driving their own vehicles to figure this out I think they had no real world experience I mean yeah they probably hopped into an EV on campus and drove you know a mile down the road but I don't think they ever actually used it like a real person would with their families when they didn't have their assistance with them to be like oh uh, take a left here and we'll have it all ready for you sir but this is huge news yes this it is. is huge news we've yeah. been talking talking about this for years now. Yeah. Now this means that basically every other car company is going to have to follow yes, forward, they are, And they're going to have to adopt the Tesla Supercharger network because of course they are. There is no way that people are going to buy EVs if they do not have a good charging network. Well, and you brought up a good point earlier. I don't know if Tesla is going to have to put Magic Dock at all their stations because if enough cars switch over to NACS and that becomes the standard, then CCS will just kind of disappear like vhs it's been what like a week since ford announced that they will be adopting the tesla plug or the nax now gm seems to be getting on board the nax train GM CEO Mary Barra announced last week on Twitter with Elon that GM will be installing the NAX plug on all its EVs starting in 2025.
2: I'm really excited to announce that we plan to adopt the North American charging standard and we're working really hard that our first vehicle will come in 2025.
1: So in 2024, GM EVs will be able to charge the Tesla superchargers using a CCS to NAX adapter. Now, I know that Jim Farley, the CEO of Ford, said that Ford would be sending CCS adapters to all of their existing EV customers for free. Do you think that Mary will do the same? I don't think that Mary Barra knows what a CCS to NAX adapter is. No, honestly, I mean, I think that this was a rush job. I think that basically they heard about the Ford announcement, and I think one of the board members called up Mary, or maybe all of them, and were like, Mary, what the hell are we doing over here, GM? What the hell is this show? Mary, we need to get on those snacks right away. Yes, snacks. We have plenty of snacks. Don't worry. If you look under the cupboards in the hall, we have plenty of snacks. Not snacks, Mary. Nacks. Tesla Nacks.
3: Nacks. Yes, knickknacks. We have plenty of them. We give them out to customers all the time.
1: Mary, for God's sake, get on this. Uh, Yeah, so this is huge news. Yeah, it basically does what we said a week ago is going to happen. It cements the fact that the Tesla Knacks standard is going to be the standard. So then I want to ask the next logical question, which is what other car companies are going to be switching to nax? All of them. All of them. All of them are going to switch. Okay, so Toyota. They can't, they can't not switch. Think about it. You got Ford and GM. So that's it. Because essentially now it's Tesla, Ford and GM. Those are the top 3 EV makers in the United States. And they're all using Tesla superchargers. They're you all can't going not to start. Do that. And so basically, we're going to start to hear from Toyota and Hyundai and. We have to. BMW, Volkswagen, everybody. Yes. But then, I mean, the question is what happens with the EV charging companies? They all have to have NACs at their chargers as well. So you're talking about Electrify America, um, Ego, all. all of them have to switch because. Have at least, well, switch or at least have some NACs available because now it's gone from this mismatch of like, CCS is like, well, that's the standard for some reason, even though most cars in the world have NACs. They're, well, everybody else has CCS. Now there isn't everybody else. Everybody else is gonna switch to NACs. Hey, and if you like our Christmas edition with Walter Isaacson, hit the like button. And if we're gonna pick on Ford, it's only fair to pick on Honda too. Here's a fan favorite from episode 349. Honda unveiled its second fully electric vehicle in the US Last week in Germany, the E N Y one, the E N Y one? No, the lowercase E. What, what's poo poo? That's a colon. Okay, colon. Uppercase N, lowercase Y, numeral one. Is that the password to log into the car? <laughs> what are you talking? E <laughs> colon <laughs> capital N. Y one? Would you like to go to lunch with me in my E colon uppercase NY1? What? Okay, it looks a lot like a gas-powered Honda HRV. Uh, and you said it's Honda's second fully electric car. What was the first one again? Uh, the Honda EV Plus. The EV Plus. Wait, that's the one from 1997 with the nickel metal hydride batteries? I mean, don't get me wrong. I was excited when that one came out. It had almost 100 miles of range, but come on, they only made 300 of them. Well, I'm just trying to be as accurate as possible. It's technically Honda's third U.S. EV, because remember the prologue, um, which is coming to the U.S. next year. Um, but anyway, the Eni one any, eh, eh, E E-N-E-1, is the first one of Honda's E-N-Architecture-F EV platform. Architecture F. It's it's uh, you know With the, the platform that they took twenty six years to develop. Right. You know you, Honda. They're perfectionists. So platform B, C, D, E, just weren't quite up to the snuff. But F, F is what we've been waiting for. So the E colon. Okay. N architecture F. Yes. Okay. Start stats, please, on this long-awaited platform. Okay. You ready for this? Yes. Two hundred one horsepower from its single 150 kilowatt front motor for 228 pound feet of torque or 310 newton meters. Yuck. Uh, 68.8 kilowatt hour battery for 256 miles of WLTP range. Yuck. Cause that's probably closer to <laughs> only 200 miles. Fast charge from 10 to 80%. In 45 minutes. Yuck. 15 inch vertical center display. Yuck. Um, Okay, when is this coming to the US? 2026. Yuck. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) what? All right, so wait a minute. So what platform is the Prologue being built on? Um, The Ultium platform. GM's Ultium platform is what Honda is using to oh, come so out it's with a, their prologue. Oh, so that's just a jam car. So this is Honda's first true powertrain. But what about the Honda E? Um, that's only for Europe and Japan. So whatever they got going on over there. Why are they so confusing? What? Okay, whatever. <laughs> Honda, great. Why don't they sell the E here? I don't understand. Who? It, it, who at Honda thought this was a good name for it? What? You don't like the E? N Y one. Maybe that's that's how you say it. Everyone's going to call it the Eni one. Eni one. <laughs> All right, it's time for the Cybertruck Roundup. Yeehaw! The Cybertruck Roundup. Here's some Cybertruck stories from earlier this year. So, <laughs> uh, this was spotted the other day. Uh, what's the big deal? That's a Ford F-150 Lightning. Um, no, it's not. Look closer. Look even closer. Wait, that's a Cybertruck. That's a Cybertruck. But it's not. It's a Ford. No, it's a, it's a Cybertruck, but it's been wrapped to look like a Ford. Okay, hang on. Tesla obviously owns this truck, so it's not like some fan wrapped it himself. So why would it be wrapped like a Ford F-150? I, I, I don't know. I mean, would this be to show that it's roughly the same size as the Ford F-150 and this is like a marketing thing? I mean, Elon did say that it'll fit in a 20-foot garage, but that it'll have a longer bed than any truck of its size. The Ford F-150 Lightning is 19.3 feet. The Rivian R1T is over a foot shorter, 18.1 feet. So why didn't Tesla cover this with a sheet Like, so no one would see what's going on. They must have known that someone was going to take a picture of it. Yeah, I I don't get this because, yeah, it has to be Tesla's Cybertruck. Okay, the only thing that I can think of is that this wasn't Tesla. Like, maybe it was one of Elon's friends that he let borrow the truck and then they wrapped it as like a prank and they're going to send it back. I highly doubt that Elon let one of his friends borrow the Cybertruck at this point. But what do you guys think? I mean... This was filmed in Livermore, California, which is only a few miles down the road from Fremont. But what's cool is it looks like we get to see even more of the truck here. Mm. And so that's it without the front liner. Okay, so, I mean, my theory is that they are going to have like a marketing thing where they show how big the Cybertruck is because it's hard to compare. You know, so mm-hmm. they're going to show it with this and then they're going to show a regular Ford F-150 and they're going to show that like the front end gets smaller and you get more cab and you get what? more bed. Why don't you just show a two car garage? One side has a Ford F-150 in it and one has a Cybertruck in know. it. I I don't get it. Please. Yeah. Let us know what you think is this is all about. So if you were disappointed after the Consumer Product Safety Commission or CPSC ripped Radio Flyers Cyberquad for kids off the shelves last year, we have good news. Radio Flyer has redesigned the Cyber Quad for kids to make it worse and therefore more suitable for children. What? Well, back in 2022, the CPSC forced Radio Flyer to issue a total recall of the Cyber Quad for kids because they deemed it a, quote, youth ATV as opposed to a child's ride on toy. So they had to really slow it down and depower it? No, they just had to add a few warning stickers and remove the rear suspension spring. Wait, they got to keep the same motor and battery and top speed? Yep. All they had to do was make it worse to ride by removing a spring. And now the CPSC has no issue with it. So it's the same center of mass, the same weight, the same steering system and wheels? Now it's just a little worse. And because of that, it's safer for your children, according to the CSPC. (laughs) Okay, wait, so Tesla can now sell it? Yes, you can buy it right now on Tesla's website. Just remember that Tesla didn't make this change. It was Radio Flyer the whole time. There's a lot of people who are like, Tesla's being real shady about this. Uh, No, first of all, it's Radio Flyer because that's who makes the damn thing. And also they are just complying with the Consumer Product Safety Commission's guidelines. Thank you, Senator Warren. Thank you so much for protecting us by making a worse product for our children to ride. America. All right, it's time for the Cybertruck Roundup. Yeehaw! The Cybertruck Roundup. Tesla owner Silicon Valley said at this point, the Cybertruck is the most badass truck ever made. Elon said, it's an armored personnel carrier from the future. Blade Runner would have driven. And this is in response, of course, to Joe Rogan shooting with an arrow. And then Earl of Frunk Puppy says, can you shoot an arrow through any car door? And Tesla Chase says, absolutely, because they did. (laughs) They shot an arrow (laughs) through their door. It goes all the way through. Wow. Elon says, normal car or truck door skins are made of very thin, mild steel. They are there for aerodynamics and aesthetics, but carry almost no load. On Cybertruck, though, the door panels are bulletproof to almost all subsonic projectiles. What an amazing week Zach and I just had. We traveled to Austin, Texas, where we got to host the Cybertruck After Party. A huge shout out to everyone who came. We live streamed for what, eight hours? Yeah. We had Sandy Monroe, Farzad Mozbahi, Jehu Garcia, Ellie in Space, Kyle Connor from Out of Spec, Mountain Man Tesla, Kim Java, Dr. Know-it-All, Joe Tegmeyer, and so many other awesome content creators. Tesla's chief designer, Franz von Holzhausen, showed up in a Cybertruck. And you got to talk to him. So when you were designing this truck, there got there had to be at one point where you drew this truck and Elon was like, yes. Um, were you happy or were you a little afraid when that happened? No, I, I mean, when I came up with the design, we, we made it into a model before we even showed it to Elon. And it was, you know, instantaneous. Yes, this is what we're doing. I know that a lot of people were like, why don't you ask Franz about the price? He said he had one minute. He spoke for one minute. I was going to. I was. Just wanted to be respectful. <laughs> yeah, we had so many Cybertrucks there that we had to ask Cybertrucks to move back so that we could make way for more Cybertrucks. What a great problem to have. And I mean, Jesse and I put together the show with our buddies, Eli Burton, Starman, and Warbeck, and Matt from the Austin Tesla Owners Club and the uh, amazing Noah Sargent from Corporate Streams. We all had less than a month of prep time. But the weather held, we had an awesome turnout, and the best part for me was meeting so many of you. You know, we talk into a camera every week, but getting to shake your hands and talk to real people, it just filled my heart. So thank you to everyone who showed up and we got to talk to at the show. If I didn't get to see you, I'm so sorry that I missed you. I was pretty busy trying to keep the live stream going for those eight hours, but it was nice. You know, Sandy took over for a bit. I got to shake some hands, it was nice. Also a huge thank you to our buddy, Brian, who is also, by the way, one of the editors of the show. He's probably editing the segment as we speak. It's true. Thank you to Brian for driving down to Austin and helping us out immensely at the show. And in fact, Brian is how we got you that footage from inside the Tesla delivery event during our pre-show live stream. And this is what I'm talking about. Our community is amazing. I am so proud to be part of this and doing the show with you, Jesse. And Jesse, you were amazing. <laughs> that was awesome. I really had a blast doing the show with you. By the way, if you haven't checked out the live stream, it's worth watching. There are so many gems in there. Feel free to skip around. You don't have to watch the whole thing. Yeah, people climbed into the bed of the vehicle. Uh, We're gonna talk about later the HEPA filter. It was really cool. And thank you to the Cybertruck Owners Club. Without them, we wouldn't be able to do this show all year. Thank you so much. If you wanna find out everything there is to know about the Cybertruck, head on over to the Cybertruck Owners Club for community and discussions like nowhere else. That's where we get all of our Cybertruck news. Now, it wouldn't be Christmas without the Grinch. And it wouldn't be TTN without Vinny. So it appears that the U.S. Department of Justice is doubling down on their investigation into Elon's Elon's Glass glass house. House. According to Forbes, federal prosecutors are looking into whether Tesla's company resources were used to supply personal benefits to CEO Elon Musk as early as 2017, farther back than previously known, according to people familiar with the investigation. And Elon replied, this would be next level absurd. I'm not building a house of any kind anywhere. Don't be too sure I'm as crooked as I'm supposed to be. Wait, so let me get this straight. The Department of Justice is a federal government agency whose job is to protect civil rights, protect the integrity of the nation's antitrust and bankruptcy systems, and uphold the rule of law. So you're telling me that the DOJ, led by Attorney General Merrick Garland, who was appointed by President Biden in 2021, is investigating whether the richest person in the world got some special deals on some glass through his connections with Tesla and that he was going to build into his house. Uh Uh-huh. Except this particular billionaire is Elon Musk, who doesn't appear to have a house, according to Walter Isaacson, who just spent two years following him around. Well, unless you count the $50,000 two-bedroom little bungalow at Starbase. Maybe he stashed the glass in there. Hey, Merrick, did you check in his fridge? Maybe he hid the glass under his bed. Did you check there? Maybe the glass house is just in plain sight like Wonder Woman's invisible jet. Do you think of that, Merrick? I think this is gonna blow back on the Biden administration big time. I, I just don't see why they're Doing This this is this seems incredibly political. Oh, but um, here with a guest editorial on this topic is our very own Vinny Bambuzzolini. Hey,
3: folks, Vinny Bambuzzolini here, your trusted automotive advisor and expert on all things related to federal investigations. Now, you two bozos are defending this guy. But you know what? I hope the DOJ catches Mr. Tesla red handed carrying all that glass he got through all his connections. He's probably in the trunk of his Model X. That's where I'd put it. If I had to hide something, which I don't, this billionaire should have to pay for what he's done. How dare he get glass at a discount for a house he doesn't even have? How dare you not have a mansion, Mr. Tesla? What kind of billionaire are you anyway with a 375 square foot house that's smaller than most billionaires' slipper closets? You're giving billionaires a bad name, and I hope the other billionaires don't let you in their club with their secret billionaire handshakes, because you are not the kind of billionaire I want representing us Americans. And another thing, I shouldn't be telling you this, cause it's basically free advice on how to avoid the feds. But Mr. Musk, I hear you got like five smartphones. You gotta ditch them, throw them in a lake. Here's what you do when you wanna call your glass connection. Find a payphone somewhere in town. Make sure you're not followed and always speak in code. Like replace the word glass with milkshake and the word money with french fries. So it goes something like this. I'm waiting on my milkshake. When are you going to have that delivered? I already gave you the french fries. See, now even if the feds do tap your phone, they think you're just hungry all the time. They got nothing. Bunch of bozos. They thought they could put me away, but they didn't even know how smart Vinny was. I outsmarted him. Bunch of clowns. Take that, DOJ.
1: Okay, Vinny Bamboozolini,
3: everyone. Folks, come on down to the Auto Mile. Check out the new Combustor 9000 at my dealership, the best dealership
1: in the tri-state area. And from episode 356, our report on Tesla starting to advertise. So we knew that this was gonna happen because Elon said at Tesla's last shareholder day on May 16th, that he would listen to shareholders who have been begging Tesla to advertise. Oh, so we talking about like a big budget car ad with fog machines and helicopter shots of winding roads and a voiceover. Test drive a Model S, 3X, or
3: Y today at your local Tesla dealership. It's sexy. But actually, you can't test drive one at your local Tesla dealership because Tesla doesn't have dealerships. We have stores, but we don't sell the cars there. You have to buy them online. But then you can pick them up at the store. And and yes, we also give test drives. But it would be easier for us and better for you if you just asked your buddy Dave, who has a Tesla, to take you for a test drive. Because then he'll be able to tell you all about it. So drive a Tesla. Tesla and find out what Zach and Jesse have been trying to tell
1: you for the past eight years. Uh, no, Tesla did not make a TV ad. Bummer. Instead, people have spotted these Google ads, uh, mainly in the UK, uh, but also some Tesla solar ads in the US. Google ads? Yeah, so far, people who have spotted them seem to be seeing them when they do Google searches rather than traditional banner ads. I mean, I guess I kind of thought the point of the ads was to tell a story using video, educate people who may have misconceptions about EVs or Teslas being only an expensive car. I mean, when I talk to people who aren't really in our EV Tesla bubble, you know, I get the.
3: Teslas are super expensive, aren't they? And but how far can they even go before they run out of
1: charge? Yeah, I get it. And and maybe this is the first step because, I mean, it was literally only a month and a half ago that Elon agreed to do this. Um, it takes time to put together ad campaigns and, and running these Google ads will at least give Tesla data about what people are searching for and how effective certain ads are. I mean, the ads do say things like experience Tesla, long range vehicles with ultra fast charging, explore pricing, browse our online inventory. Yeah, and I hope you're right. I I can't believe I'm saying this, that I... Want Tesla to make kind of traditional TV style ads because I mean, for the longest time, I've been saying I don't think Tesla should advertise. But I think if they are going to do this, and this is a nuanced point here, but people don't know what they don't know. I mean, that's why our channel is called Now You Know, in fact.
3: Hey, that's the name of the show.
1: So traditional TV style ads, when done right, create a meme that sticks in people's heads and it's sticky and it gets passed to other people. I mean, Take a look at this. The reason why the where's the beef commercial from the 1980s is still a cultural reference is because those three words helped Wendy's raise sales by 31 percent following the campaign.
3: Where's the beef?
1: 31 percent. Even Burger King, who didn't run the ad campaign, saw an 18 percent bump in sales after this campaign. So if Tesla could run an ad campaign that shifts the narrative and makes people feel like they have to check out buying a Tesla, that they're missing out somehow, that would be what I would do as Tesla's VP of special operations. And I think that the reason why so many Tesla fans want Tesla to advertise is because we all want to break. We have been Tesla's salespeople, <laughs> and I don't just mean Zach and Jesse, I mean you too. Um, people who have been interested in Tesla for the longest time have been their salespeople. There have been no ads on the internet. There have been nothing other than Tesla's driving around and people in those cars who know about them. That's been the only sales method. I'll push back. I don't think we want to break. I think we're willing to do the work. It's just we don't want to have to be the first attack. Like we don't want to have to go and tell people all the first stuff. We want them to come to us and go, hey, wait, can you give me a, a test drive, Dave? And I think in the beginning when Tesla was smaller, it it kind of made more sense that you'd hear it from your buddy. And so when you told him, you'd be like, yeah, it's still a small company and they're like oh that's really cool now that they're selling over a million cars a year like well over a million cars a year it's kind of like embarrassing to be like why haven't I heard of this on like the mainstream news or why haven't I heard of it before heard of it being why haven't I been advertised to it's like Right. Well, they don't believe in advertising. No. And then they're like, that sounds a little weird. Is this a is this a pyramid scheme? Is this a multi-level marketing scheme? Yeah, really good point because in 2020, Tesla sold as many cars in that entire year as they just sold in this quarter. Right. So it is growing so fast, but I mean, I if look if you're taking advice Tesla in your ad department, I would use your next marketing campaign to attack ice cars, just like this, you know, Wendy's commercial kind of attacked the hamburger of of McDonald's. Where's the beef? You don't have to worry about stuffing all the details into a 30 second ad. And I know we have a Patreon poll this week, so mm-hmm. we'll see what people think. But um, you had an idea about. Uh, about using boston actors yeah i mean so this one was from uh, a different car company they had done the smart pock so it was really good because you know it's like smart pock you're gonna say smart pock um i think that you should hire almost the exact same crew um and do one about cars. so call ice cars internal combustion engine gas-powered vehicles call them fat cars because they it. fat i love it and so that way it'd be like oh what you're too good for fat <laughs> I think a lot of people were interested to find out about this next story from episode 365. Does supercharging degrade Tesla batteries? Data, 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 data. What? We now have the data. Data. What are you talking about? For years, the inhabitants of the Tesla world have been trying to ascertain with certainty whether or not supercharging
3: degrades their cars' batteries. Many have anecdotes and premonitions but there's been no certainty no hard answers until now
1: now we have the data data what data so a new report from recurrent shows data from over 12,500 Teslas to see what the effects of supercharging versus non-supercharging has on battery degradation check this out this chart here shows the data from 6300 Model 3s The y-axis is the percentage of range, and the x-axis is battery days. So the dark blue line is frequent fast charging, and the light blue is rare fast charging. So see, they're basically the same. No difference in frequent supercharging. They're the same i remember way back in 2016 when we got the model x everyone was talking about like "Ooh, if you supercharge a lot yeah only supercharge your battery, once a week your battery right. is gonna be you're gonna have less range right you're telling me that that's not true well here's another chart uh this is from 4400 tesla model Ys. same thing no real difference between frequent fast charging and rare fast charging or as recurrent stated We compared cars that fast charge at least 90% of the time to cars that fast charge less than 10% of the time. In other words, people who almost exclusively fast charge their car and people who very rarely fast charge. The results show no statistically significant difference in range degradation between Teslas that fast charge more than 90% of the time and those that fast charge less than 10% of the time. Thank you, Mr. Data. So, I mean, this is huge news for like lots of people because i think a lot of people were scared yeah and they were like oh i should i shouldn't supercharge well and i think this this is because so many other brands don't take care of their batteries as well when they dc fast charge and so their batteries do get hurt Mm. and so they thought well of course this must apply to tesla tesla's so good at cooling their batteries that it doesn't seem to affect them and i mean when we've been testing out some of these other evs it'll go like you know 200 kilowatts all the way up until 80% state of charge, and then it'll drop right mm-hmm. off. And it's like, that's that's stupid, right? That was right. just written by us, and it'll be uh, <laughs> until 80% and then it won't drop. Um, that's not the way it should be. It should be, you should be figuring out exactly like a bunch of parameters, temperatures, uh, all sorts of stuff. I think this is a really good point. Tesla had years to figure this out. They had supercharging years before the competitors, so they could kind of learn from the S and X. And cook. <laughs> Lots of batteries. <laughs> well, but I have a 2015 Model X, like one of the first off the line. Sure. And my degradation curve looks the same. Right. And I supercharged a lot. I think that it's it's tough because I don't think that a lot of people understand like degradation. Like when you like pull up your phone and it's like two years old, you know that it doesn't last that long, but it doesn't tell you. Right. In your car, you get in your car and you go, you like swipe the thing all the way to the right. And it's like you have less range. Right. And I think a lot of people go like, oh, my gosh. What? but that's going to be normal for anything that's battery powered. And it's true of uh, gas cars as well, because they get less efficient as stuff starts to wear out. And what's kind of cool is the new LFP batteries lets you charge up to full without really having any effect on degradation. Yeah. Um, but I mean, this charge is just super exciting. Yeah. And you can't pick on Ford, Honda, and GM and leave VW out in the cold. From episode 338, come on in, VW, and warm yourself by the Tesla time fire for a little roast. And while Tesla is busy building new gigafactories around the world, patenting new metals for Cybertruck and opening its global headquarters in Palo Alto, California, I thought it'd be a good idea to check in on VW and see what they're working on. Okay. So let me see here. Um, Okay. Got it. Uh, So what has VW been up to? Escape rooms. No, no. I mean, Volkswagen, the VW, it's the German automaker. Yeah, yeah, escape rooms. What, what are you talking about? It says here that Volkswagen is spending 89 billion euros on its electrification efforts through 2026, uh, yada, 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 and it's using some of that money to build three escape rooms at its headquarters in Wolfsburg for its 22,000 employees. Why would they build escape rooms? No, no, not just any escape rooms, Zach. These are three emotion rooms. <sighs> Each should take employees 20 minutes to complete for an hour-long experience. In the first room, employees get information about the history of EVs as far back as the 1800s. The second room has to do with the history of the Wolfsburg plant. And the third room teaches about the future of EVs. So the third room is just full of Teslas? I'm sure it's not. But I. how do you make it an escape room? Is it Do you just have to watch... I'm guessing it's not find the charge port. Yeah, I doubt it's going to be like, Okay, I found the number. You have to it's the coordinates on the map. Who was the worst CEO we've ever had? Was it Herbert Deese? (laughs) That's what VW would say. That's not what you think. No, I'm saying that's what they would say. That's what they would say. Yeah. Uh, VW employees will be split up into teams of four who will then have to use their wits and skills to find clues, crack codes, and solve puzzles and riddles to move on to the next room. Gunnar Killian, head of HR, says, This is one building block in the process of bringing the workers into the world of e-mobility. For many, it's a totally new thing that the combustion engine won't be there anymore, and we have to train people for a high-voltage environment. Uh, The first group to take on the escape room will be the 1200 employees assigned to work on the latest ID three later this year. I still don't understand. Well, VW is trying to help ease employee anxiety over job security as VW transitions from internal combustion engines into EVs or just maybe just bankruptcy. Wow. I mean, if this isn't proof that Tesla is going to crush Big Auto, I mean, while VW employees are trying to solve riddles in an escape room, Tesla engineers are solving real world engineering problems every day. I know, but doesn't it sound fun? You know, you get Hans, I made it out of the room. (laughs) It's a fun thing to do with your employees. Team building. Yeah. Synergy. Synergy. Come on. Yeah. From episode 331, let's learn a little bit more about Elon's second in command. So according to an exclusive story from Reuters last week, Tesla's China chief, Tom Zhu, has been promoted to what sounds like the number two position at Tesla. Number two. According to Reuters, Zhu will now have direct oversight of Tesla's U.S. factories as well as sales operations in North America and Europe. Zhu appears to be keeping his title as VP of Greater China, which means that he will also maintain his direct oversight of Giga Shanghai and Tesla's Asian sales. We've been reporting that this was in the works and now, according to Reuters, it looks like it's happened. And I think the question a lot of us are asking is, is this a good thing? And Jesse, you have constantly said this on the show. Whoever is in charge in China knows what they're doing. Yeah. I mean, you look at Giga Shanghai as as we've seen it for the past you know year and a half. So far,
0: the China plant is um, basically an open field with some digging going on.
1: And it's been amazing the, the strides that they've made, but also some of the marketing that's come out of China, mm-hmm. a lot of the messaging that comes out of China. And I do mean specifically for China. I'm not saying that like us Western viewers are going to completely understand uh, exactly the game that has been played uh, from Tesla China. But I've always thought that it was being played very well. And so, I mean, I guess that Tom Zhu is the guy who has been, you know, in charge of a lot of this stuff. And uh, I'm, I'm not too unhappy to see him take over some of the stuff happening in North America. Yeah. And I think for the longest time, I've been personally feeling like Elon has too much on his plate. I mean, often when a person would leave Tesla, Elon would say, well, I'll take over their department. For instance, uh, when Tesla's president of global sales and service, John McNeil left in 2018, he joined Lyft. Elon was like, well, I'll just take over sales and service. Mm. And that's not a good thing, in my opinion. I mean, Elon's great and he's smart, but he's got to focus. And so I think this is a good thing. Tom Zhu has proven himself as a great executive. He's led Tesla in China expertly for years, like you said. And I think he'll bring a wealth of knowledge to Giga Texas. Yeah. And let's just take a look at what Zhu has been doing. He started at Tesla in 2014, leading their supercharging network development team in China. And he's been with Tesla for almost a decade. And coming up through the ranks means that he gained knowledge and experience throughout the organization. Yeah. And it really signals to others in the Tesla organization that Tesla values hiring from within. And that helps retain talent because mm-hmm. if you see the constantly, oh, they're just bringing in some guy from BMW, you're like, well, I'm not going to stay here. But if you're like, oh, wow, Tom Zhu came up from the bottom. Now he's like second in command. That could be me. All right. It's time for Going Green sponsored by Joa. Joa is the world's leading provider of Tesla accessories. Their team has over 15 years of experience at engineering unique products for autos, charging and lifestyle. So you should really check out Joa for all those things you didn't even know you needed for your Tesla. Today, I want to tell you about their folding card tray for the Model 3 and Y. This tray is really well built. I love the quality hinges. It folds up easily and it can easily be stored in the Model 3 or the Model Y's frunk or the rear trunk. I like that I can keep it folded up right next to me so I could take it out whenever I'm supercharging. It's so much nicer when having a meal in the car to have it on these sturdy Joa trays rather than trying to juggle drinks and meals in my lap. Yeah, and it's perfect for getting work done with a laptop or tablet or reading while you're charging. The tray is made with premium materials and feels really nice to the touch with this vegan leather and the wood pattern perfectly matches Tesla's interior. Joa's products are created for Tesla owners by Tesla owners. The Joa team wants to enhance your driving experience. You can check out all of Joa's products at joalife.com And you really should check out their lineup. There's so many cool products for yourself or the perfect gift for that hard to shop for Tesla person on your list. And for a limited time, use our code for 5% off your order. So we've dunked on Ford and Honda. Come on, we can't leave GM out of the holiday party, can we? Introducing the GM involved. Meet the first
3: ever Chevy Blazer EV Police Pursuit Package, the GM Chevy Blazer PPV.
1: You know, GM and Ford are really smart to have dedicated sales teams for police departments. I can see a lot of police departments feeling really comfortable going with the Chevy Blazer EV. Um, Now, what does the Pursuit Package have?
3: The Chevy Blazer EV PPV has a certified cop speedometer, heavy duty cop suspension, underbody cop skid plates, 20 inch steel cop wheels with Firestone Firehawk cop pursuit tires, six piston Brembo front cop
1: brakes with 15.3 inch cop rotors, 400 volt all wheel drive, 498 horsepower cop Altium powertrain. 105 kilowatt hour cop battery
3: with 250 miles of cop range. You can exit the vehicle with the cop key fob and the car will go into arm protection idle. It's a cop thing. It'll stay on but can't be stolen by perps. The PPV's got cop front seats especially made for cop duty belts you can charge the blazer ppv at 80 amp charging for 52 miles of cop range per hour
1: or dc fast charge it at 190 kilowatts for 141 miles of range in 30 cop minutes there's 100 amps of electrical power for all your cop features like cop
3: lights and cop computers and you can idle with all the cop stuff on for 20 to 50 hours there's even a covert surveillance mode for when you need to be a stealthy cop
1: okay yeah um i i don't i don't think they're all cop no they're all i watched the video (laughs) it's the guys from detroit Uh, he has the cop voice it's perfect (laughs) no seriously yeah tesla should really get they should hire some guys from detroit i totally agree that used to work at ford and gm they should have a cop department because that's all you need is a nice video with a cop. And then at the end of the video, they have cops who say like, I love this car. I think that they should hire actors who play cops on TV. Oh, yes. I think you should get. Comment down below which cop actors they should hire. Like, what do you think, like Chuck Norris? Um, newer ones, newer who, who's ones. Who's the guy who's on- He was never on... a cop, was he a cop? I don't know, he was always fighting bad guys. He was a Texas Ranger or something. He's was a Ranger. He? Yeah, but we want cops. Okay, well, uh, what about the guy who's always, he always wears a cowboy hat. He's a really good actor, but he always seems to play these AMC TV shows where he's like a cow. He's like has a cowboy hat and he's a he's either a detective or a police officer. You know what I mean? Or is it oh, was TNT? He, was he in um was he in The Shield? No, not there. But yeah, Ma- Michael the Chiklis guy. from The <laughs> Shield. Yeah, the Shield. <laughs> I, it would work it would, it would work. work it would work that would be so tesla if they hired these off-brand cops like the ones that are bad cops right the anti-hero yes cops. yeah <laughs> the ones that are on the take <laughs> not the ones that are on the take the ones that are you know michael chiklis he was solid, on the take He well yeah but he but used, was one of the best he was cops one of the best he cops. was he's a loose cannon yes that's loose cannon <laughs> cops loose cannon. that'd be their name of their department be, be, beverly hill cop like <laughs> All right, it's time for our video contributor stories. Remember, we need your stories. Send them to us two minutes or less, shoot them in landscape with good audio and no music, and send them to hello at nowyouknowchannel.com. What do we got this week, Jess? Somi sent us this story about one of the cheapest superchargers in North America.
0: at The Delta supercharger, uh, the last session paid was $6.08 US in Everett, and that gave me 22% charge in my battery. So this we're going to see, I think, a big difference here uh, because if we look at the, oh man, where is it? It's not popping up. Yes, it is. There it is. We're looking at $0.10 Canadian per kilowatt hour. For those in America, that's $0.07 per kilowatt hour. (laughs) Let's do this. Okay, let's, so we're already up to 15 you can see right there okay let's see how this goes 10 cents per kilowatt hour that's crazy so i'm back from just like i had to use the bathroom and uh grab some food and uh let's see how where we're at right now so $4 and 15 cents, 16 cents. And we're already at 62%. So we're going to stay here right until 80%. And, uh, <laughs> I'm thinking that's not going to go much higher. My goodness, that's cheap. Wow. Didn't Oh, we're done. 80%. Let's see how much. $5 and 57 cents. Come on. That's crazy. For the U.S. equivalent, uh, subtract approximately 30 percent so that probably comes out to just over four dollars us to charge from 12 percent to 80 percent telling you best kept secret best kept tesla tesla charging secret in the lower mainland
1: Well, it's not a secret anymore, Somi. The Delta British Columbia supercharger, folks. And if it's entirely packed, it's all Somi's fault. Just kidding, Somi. Thank you for the money saving tip. All right, now it's time for our Patreon bonus stories. So again, head on over there, see Walter Isaacson's full interview that we just did with him. I mean, this is exclusive, no one else has this. Also our Patreon bonus stories this week, all for as little as a buck a month. We'll see you there. Now, we had a Patreon poll this week. What would you rather get for Christmas? Ooh, and surprise, surprise. <laughs> a cyber truck in the cyber driveway is truck. what they want. Look, no one wants a boring tunnel. No. Because <laughs> then everyone would be using it to your house. Thank you so much, everybody, for watching. It's been a wonderful year. I hope you guys have a great holiday season. Wait, what's this? Christmas present. Wait, I get to open it now? Yeah. Oh, because it's Christmas. It's Christmas. Oh, boy. Oh. We're not. I, we're not recording this on Christmas because we had to get the show to you. But figured it's okay if you open set a little early. Sipping glasses and stands. Yes. So finally, on our on our set, we've had the Tesla tequila. Oh my goodness! Look at this. I think we should have a sip for. I think so too. A little Christmas. Uh... Look at that, huh? Wow. Nice. Yeah, I think we should toast everyone with good cheer. Yes. Uh, All right. Luckily, we did this at the end of the show, everybody. Second time we've done this on the show. (laughs) Oh, I love the glug glug. I'm not going to do too much since it is 930 in the morning. (laughs) It's five o'clock somewhere. (laughs) Cheers. To a wonderful year with you guys. Thank you so much, everybody. Cheers. Ooh, that's smooth. Yeah. Wow. We should do that every time before the show. <laughs> We'd run out pretty quick. We can refill the bottle. Yeah, they'll never know it's apple juice. No. <laughs> apple juice? <laughs> I thought it was gonna be tequila. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us uh, this whole year on Tesla Time News. I think we're gonna see you next year is when it's coming out. Yeah. The next Tesla Time yeah, News. Yeah, this is the last year. one of the year. So uh, you know, Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you to our patrons for supporting us. The show doesn't happen without our Patreon support. Um, I want to really spend a moment to just thank them. I mean, this whole year, YouTube has been doing just weird stuff with mm. the algorithm. It's been doing weird stuff with, with uh, advertising in terms of the money that we actually get to make. We would have basically, I think, had to have stopped the show in July-ish if we didn't have Patreon support. Oh, and I think even before. I mean, I think years before. It's just been yeah. just going down so much. But again, all these names going past, including Walter Isaacson. He's a patron, by the way. Thank you so much, Walter. Um, It's just amazing what Jesse and I have been able to do for all these years with you guys. And it's because of our community. It's because of your support. So thank you so much. We really look forward to next year and seeing you again for all the amazing things that are going to be happening. All right. We'll see you next week and next year. Now, you know.